Welcome to Faith and Money. This is uh, your host, Keith Conway. I'm a certified financial planner and certified kingdom advisor in Orange County, California. I do live and operate in Orange County, but I specialize in working with Christians on biblical financial wisdom on their money matters with clients across the country. Faith and Money podcast uh, is a new podcast that, that I've developed to equip Christians to think biblically about their money. Uh, and, and you might be surprised to hear that I get a lot of pushback uh, from Christians about the kind of work that I do. I've received all kinds of, of accusations and, and people saying all kinds of crazy things. The other day, I, I made a comment on social media about you know, how our giving money to the church and, and to Christian causes you know, builds the kingdom of God, and boy, did I create a firestorm of of, of reaction and in, in the comments? And, and I certainly wasn't attempting to do that. But, you know, money is such a an emotional topic and it, and it, it spouses just so many different kinds of responses. And and what I really want to do with this podcast and for my listeners is to think about what God says about our money. Uh, we've had a couple episodes here on stewardship, defining stewardship. Uh, we just did a, an episode on stewardship and chaos. Uh, and I really want us to be renewed and transformed in our thinking in the area of money uh, and stewardship according to the word of God. Uh, and so today we're going to discuss uh, several myths that Christians believe about money. Uh, but before we begin, I have a very special announcement. I'm very excited to announce that uh, I have a new co-host. Uh, you all probably remember hearing Jeff uh, with me, and, and uh, we wish Jeff well. He's a really good guy, and but he's moved on to some other stuff. Uh, and I do have a new co-host, and her name is Crystal Wampler. Uh, go ahead and introduce you, you yourself to the world, Crystal. Thank you, Keith. Thank you so much for inviting me to be the co-host with you today. Uh, I feel so honored uh, on, on this podcast of Faith and Money. And, and today talking about money myths, I am just fired up. Uh, so first of all, my name is Crystal Wampler, and I am the founder and CEO of Kinethics Inc. Can it's a cannabis financial advisory solutions group. And we help uh, cannabis industry that are working in the medical fields, find uh, funding and, and different advisors and, and solutions. Another thing that I do, Keith, is on Fridays, I have the Crypto Cannabis Show, which I know you've visited that show. And on that show, we talk about the five C's. We talk about Christ, cannabis, cryptocurrency, cybersecurity, and CPAs. And we help all business owners within those five facets grow and market their business. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to visit that uh, that show and, and a lot of really good people. Uh, and I've learned just so much about the cannabis industry that I never really understood. And there's just still so much to be learned there. And, and uh, you know, God gives us these things uh, just like he gave us uh different plants for different things whether it's for food or for medicine um and you know certainly any type of medicine or or food or or whatever it can be Amen. used 
for ways that are are not profitable or are honoring to the Lord. But that doesn't mean that that in of itself is bad because God created the world to be very good. Um, and if man doesn't uh, honor the Lord with the use of what he's provided, that's on that's that's man's issue, not God's. Mm-hmm, exactly. So, yeah, thank you for joining us today, Crystal, and and I look forward to some really fun conversations. And I think I think the Faith and Money podcast audience is going to really enjoy having you here with us. Well, thank you, Keith. I, I really appreciate that. You know, um, to to start with uh, the first uh, money myth, uh, it says God cares more about my heart than what I do with my money. What do you think yeah. about that, Keith? Yeah, I mean, I, I I've heard a lot of people say things like that. Um, I mean, ha- haven't you, Crystal? I, I have. Mean- I, I've heard a lot of people say that you know all the time that 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 money is you know the root of all evil and you know all these things that go along with it from the Bible. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't. I don't really understand why this myth has gained, gained such prevalence. And, you know, maybe some of the readers are thinking, you know, I've heard that and maybe they even think that themselves. But as I really kind of unpack this myth, I just see so many different problems. Why does why are we separating our heart and money, you know, from God? Why why can't they be the same thing? Isn't how we spend our money telling us what we believe about mm-hmm. God? Isn't the way we spend our money indicative of how faithful of a steward that we are? Amen. You know, when, when when we talk about God um and and money, you know, the the thing that I hear so often is well. The Bible says that money is the root of all evil, which is obviously a misquote. That is not what the Bible says. Money is not evil. It's the love of money is the root. And if you look at the Greek, it's all kinds or all types of evil, selfishness, greed, um, hypocrisy, um, theft, you know, all kinds of evil. But money in of itself is not sinful. And, you know, how we use our money is indicative of what we believe about God and, and, and our worship of God. And, you know, I see too many problems, you know, money uh, being the root of all evil, that's really addressing what we would call Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism is a first century heresy that is very prevalent today. Um, You know, it says that the spiritual is good, but the physical is bad. And so if we put that in the context of this conversation, do you hear what we're saying? Money being this physical thing, that's bad. That doesn't matter. But what does matter is God. Spiritual is good. And that's a heresy. Paul addresses that in Colossians all the time. Um, And this has been a, a fundamental error that uh, the unbelieving world have falls into time and again, and quite frankly, a lot of Christians just looking at this myth fall into it as well. Um, and so, you know, another part of, of this myth is that it takes on the line of thinking that God has promised to take care of me. I trust God, so I don't have to worry about money. 
And <laughs> again, this is just unbiblical thinking. Uh, and this really addresses the, the 19th century heresy that we would call pietism. Now, these are big words, Gnosticism, pietism. Pietism was really a, an attempt to address what was thought to be dead orthodoxy uh, and really thinking about what is in our heart apart from actual work of God. You know, what, what matters more about is what in my heart and not what God has done. Yes, God promises to take care of his children. I mean, just look at Matthew 6 or, or Philippians 4.19, and we'll see that God, you know, provides uh, for his people and for his sheep. But he also instructs us to take responsibility for our situations. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, he and God blesses the one who plans and thinks through how to, for example, build a house. No one just says, I'm going to build a house and doesn't come up with a plan. Nobody right. does that. Even, yeah. even Christians will know that they need to have an architect or, or some sort of written plan of what the house is going to look like, how much space is going to be needed, what kind of materials are needed. But when it comes to money, no, no, we don't need to plan. We just need to trust God. Well, why don't we do that with our house? Mm-hmm. Why don't we do our that? houses, our finances is what you're saying. Right. I mean, it, it, it's the same way. We have to plan to build a home. And if we want to use our money to honor the Lord, we have to plan for it as well. Uh, and so, you know, you know, we can't separate our spiritual life from our worldly matters, just like money. Uh, we can't divide you know, what is heavenly and earthly uh, with our finances, they are intimately connected with one another. But Keith, I mean, that just leads me to believe the next thing, the next uh, money myth that people, I hear all the time that seeking wealth is sinful. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, there's a lot of things going on in our world today and, and, a lot of people blame rich people for it. You know, they're the the poor people in our country aren't getting paid enough for supposedly, and they blame the corporate greedy, uh, the greedy corporate business owners. You know, the the CEO makes two million dollars, whereas the dock worker at the logistics company makes you know fifteen twenty dollars an hour, and how is that fair? Uh, you know, we have this idea that that profit is a bad thing. I talk to so many business owners and, and startup business owners and solopreneurs, and they're afraid to charge a living wage. They're they're afraid to make a profit because that is seen as exploiting people. And and I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. There are plenty of scams and there are plenty of people who are taking advantage of others. But if you are a business owner, your first priority is to produce a viable service or product and to build a profit. That's why we go in business, you know, and, and so if you are in business, it's because you are 
bringing some service or product and expecting a benefit, which builds wealth, a profit, which builds wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in James four, you know, we're, we're warned not to boast about making a profit, but it doesn't say we shouldn't make a profit. Mm-hmm. You know, James says, and I love the book of James. James is probably my favorite new Testament book. Contrary Why? to what my main man, Martin Luther said, James is not an epistle of straw. It's actually the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's just a fantastic book. But James 4 does not condemn someone from making a profit. It condemns them for boasting uh, of, of the profit and not trusting in the Lord and, and fulfilling their Christian duties with that profit. You know, uh, we, you know, we plan for those profits and, and we we get so proud of them that we did that. And we just need to know that any benefit that we have, any skills, any profit that we have and, and any wealth that we accumulate is because the Lord has blessed our efforts. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of wealthy people who the Bible views as godly, you know, these are people we will see in heaven and they were rich, you know, and a lot of people will appeal to, you know, Jesus's words in, in the gospels where he says that it is difficult for wealthy people to get in heaven. And with wealth, there comes a lot of, of warnings in the scriptures uh, you know, we shouldn't be trusting in our wealth. We should be trusting in the Lord, but it doesn't condemn wealthy people. And and what does Jesus not say? He didn't say it's impossible. He just said it's hard. Uh, and that doesn't mean that wealthy or poor people are able to get in the kingdom of heaven easier than poor than wealthy people. It's just that they have unique, separate, different challenges. But let's think about some of the wealthy people that we're going to see in heaven. Yeah, I'm interested. What, what what kind of wealthy people do you have on your list, Keith? Well, I mean, on, it's on God's list. Um, okay, right, right. Good correction. So, so the first person that comes to my mind, and there's several. I mean, there's we can't talk about all of them, but the first one that comes to my mind is Abraham. Mm. You know, Abraham left his home. And God blessed him. And over and over, it showed the scriptures in Genesis show that Abraham's wealth grew at the blessing of the Lord. His herds grew. His riches grew. um, And the Lord blessed that. Uh, Another example is Job. In the the book of Job in the New Testament, uh, he had much wealth and he lost it all. Um, through a great trial where uh, he was tested to see his fidelity to the Lord. Uh, And he lost it through all these different trials and even was cursed by his own family. Uh, And, but, you know, Job remained faithful to the Lord, even when he lost everything. Uh, the the other obvious example is Solomon, King Solomon. Mm. Uh, King Solomon uh, did not seek wealth, but was blessed with wealth because he asked for wisdom. And oftentimes what we find is that people who accumulate wealth 
seek out wisdom. The typical millionaire in today's society reads one book a month. Wow. Why is that? Because they're always learning. They need new ideas. They need, they want to improve their thinking Mm -hmm. because it makes them more profitable and allows them to take advantage of new opportunities they brought in their world. Um, In fact, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter eight, God brought Israel into the promised land where he gave them the opportunity to accumulate wealth. It says that in Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. So seeking wealth in of itself is not sinful. It is not wrong if we're doing that uh, by providing a valuable uh, product or service to our neighbor. If we're loving our neighbor and we are building a profit and we are accumulating a profit and growing our wealth, that is a godly thing to do. You know, it kind of, um, I'm, I'm kind of curious, uh, in all those scenarios, I didn't hear any of you, any of the, um, information about the, the next money myth, you know, that we should give all of our money away and live like a pauper. Yeah. I mean, Jesus talks in, in the gospels, um, telling the rich young ruler to give everything he had away and to follow him. Mm-hmm. And the the Bible says that the rich young ruler was sad because he had many possessions. Mm. And so the application that many Christians glean from that is that if I want to be obedient to Jesus, then I have to do what God told the rich young ruler to do. Now, please hear me when I'm saying I'm not seeing saying that you shouldn't that you shouldn't be generous. Mm-hmm. I'm not even telling you that you can't give away everything that you have. But God doesn't necessarily call every Christian to do that. You we are not called to live in abject poverty to give away everything we have. If there are certain people who are incredibly generous, I mean, this is just a a very small example um, of generosity. When I was in pastoral ministry, when I was in seminary years and years ago, um, at the church where I was serving as an intern, there were people in our church who loved to take out the pastor and the pastoral interns out for a meal. And they would be offended if you offered to pay for yourself. Like it was like a no, no, you do not ask. You just accept it. And if you want to say thank you, that's great. But they, but for them, it, the expectation was that they were absolutely going to be paying. Mm. Um, now, I mean, this was paying for a meal. So this wasn't, you know, giving away everything they had, but they were just generous people. They gave a lot of money to the church. They gave a lot of money to other causes, um, just very generous people. But we are not required to give everything away so that we can live in poverty. Uh, what I tell people is that uh, we're not Jesuits, or maybe some of my listeners are Jesuits, but but I do not believe that the Jesuit vow of poverty is biblical. Um, 
we live in a world where so often we think with a poverty mindset rather than a provision and 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 wealth mindset and we you know living in poverty doesn't make you more godly than the person who lives in luxury mm-hmm. uh, i know plenty of wealthy people who live in you know 10,000 foot or 10,000 square foot homes drive a very expensive car that give millions of dollars every year uh i know people who uh live in a trailer park they live in a mobile home now it's a very nice mobile home it's well decorated it's well cared for but they live in a mobile home and they give away millions of dollars every year very very generous but i also know other people who make similar amounts of money that live in you know 1000 acre ranches with you know 10,000 square foot homes and use that as a retreat center for ministry purposes and also give money away but maybe not as much as the person who lives in the mobile home you know god calls us each to be stewards of what he's entrusted to us in a different way and it's not it's not biblical or 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 right to pigeonhole every Christian into having to do one thing or another when the Lord has given us different abilities and different passions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we shouldn't have this poverty mindset. And there are going to be some people that make more money than others, but a vow of poverty is not godly. Right. So so the key there is, you know, investing. And then it kind of takes me back to um, a Bible verse or, or a little, um, a part of the Bible that says, you know, that you're not going to, you're going to sow and reap in different seasons. Yes. And so isn't that similar to investing? Yeah. I mean, what you put into life and what you, you do with your, your life is what you're going to reap. Um, you know, I'll have, have, Crystal, have you ever heard on the radio where they talk about, you know, the Wall Street casino? I hear these commercials on the radio a lot where they tell you to, you know, get your money out of the stock market, put it in this other product because investing in stocks and and whatever is just gambling. It's just gambling. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I laugh every time I hear it with a little bit of rolling eyes. You know, a lot of Christians believe that it's wrong to invest because investing is gambling and the Bible condemns gambling. Um, But with gambling, someone has to lose in order for someone else to gain. That is not the way investing works. Uh, What I tell people is that there's money is not divided, it's multiplied. And you know, investing, true investing is buying some sort of company or or product or or strategy with the expectation that it is going to produce a profit over time. It may go down in the in the near future or, or different points in time, but you expect that that 
investment and that strategy is going to produce a profit over the long term. And the Bible really supports that. The Bible tells us how to invest. People are shocked when I tell them that the Bible says that we should diversify our investments. If just look at the beginning of Ecclesiastes chapter 11, it tells us to put our money in different places. And that's really to reduce the risk and to uh, improve our opportunities to seek gain. Uh, the other thing that the Bible says, and it says many things, uh, is that we are to grow our money slowly. Mm-hmm. Get rich slow. And um, I'm sure that that we'll have some people on and, and, and you may even you know, bust my chops a bit here, Crystal, but I really believe that crypto is a get-rich scheme that produces little value. And I'm going to get in trouble with a lot of people, and I stand by my words on that. But, you know, if I'm investing in a corporation um, that is producing some product, I'm investing in that corporation because they have a lot of cash, they've been profitable for a long period of time, and I expect them to continue to do so for the long term. But if I'm I'm playing blackjack at the slots in, in uh, Las Vegas, you know, if I'm making a lot of money, that means that the casino is losing. And if I don't make a lot of money, that means the casino is making a lot of money. Where with if I'm investing in a corporation and they're making money, well, so am I. Um, and, and so, you know, when we're investing, we're loving our neighbor by investing in products and services that honor the Lord and build up our neighbor. It's loving our neighbor. Uh, and, and we use our investments to serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. I just want to um, pop in here and say, Keith, that, you know, a way that cryptocurrency is being used to serve the Lord at this moment is uh, through commissions. Commissions is a, a cryptocurrency coin that um, was developed to learn to earn. So the more you learn about the Bible, the more you earn. So there are good attributes about cryptocurrency. We will go through um, that in the future. Um, But with that said, I would like to say thank you everyone for tuning in to Faith and Money. Uh, And Keith Connolly and Crystal Wampler welcomes you back every week. And we are super excited to continue this conversation and uh, digging into our differences. Yeah. Thank you, Crystal. It's been fun. You know, and what I, we're going to definitely talk about crypto here more in the future. Um, It's a big topic. I get questions about it all the time. Um, And what I tell people is like, look, hey, if you're, if you're independently wealthy and you want to diversify your investments to do a little bit of speculation, you know, two to 5% of your portfolio, go for it, have at it. What I have a really, really hard time with is when I have uh, folks who maybe are behind in their investing or maybe just getting started in investing or, or building wealth and they put every dollar they have in crypto. 
Um, it's first of all, it's not diversified, and B, you're just gambling to get the biggest return. I've literally met people who said that they were afraid of the stock market, so they were going to put all their money in crypto, which is just hilarious because crypto is so much more volatile than even the stock market. Um, so there's a lot to be said about crypto, but thanks for your thanks for uh, being my co-host and look forward to future episodes. You're welcome, Keith. I I appreciate being here and and you know just to add on that, going back is it's all about diversification, Ecclesiastic eleven. So thank you so much, Keith. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. All right, have a great day.